If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. We often talk about a powerful Jesus. I've preached on a powerful Jesus many times. We talk about a powerful Jesus. In our society, we make him out to be this, this champion many a times. You know, he's in the ring fighting the Satan, and he comes out as a powerful Jesus. But society in recent times, or maybe throughout, maybe it's just been magnified recently, has painted Jesus into a very strange corner. We oftentimes think of him maybe as a, as a little baby, a little innocent baby that is born in a manger, or we put, on, put him on a cross and someone that we feel pity for. And even though these are both real events in the life of Jesus, even though these are things that have taken place, have been a transition in the life of Jesus, neither one of these events has made Jesus any, more, any less powerful. He is still a powerful Jesus. He still sits at the right hand of God the Father. So Jesus has not lost his power. Not, no matter what uh, society has said, Jesus is still a powerful Jesus. And I, like so many, have... Uh, are concerned about our young people and maybe our middle-aged people or whatever age you want to be, but especially we seem to focus on our, our young people nowadays that they are turning their attention more to, 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 to the power and society that, that we want them to steer them away. We want to keep them around the powerful Jesus. Uh, Hunter, is, uh, he, he likes his action heroes. He likes his Superman. I I, I don't worry about him spending money because I can take him to Walmart and buy him a little Batman figurine and he's just as happy as can be and that's fine with me. But, you know, he likes his Batmans. He likes his Supermans and that's all great and fine. But it's a fact that we have to continue to remind him who the real power source is in our lives, who the powerful Jesus is. And uh, me and uh, Brother Floyd were talking this week. His, his mother is known as Miss Bulldog back home. Now, she doesn't look like a bulldog. We don't call her that, this bulldog, for she looks like that. Their team's mascot are the bulldogs, the Thomasville Bulldogs. And she's the number one fan and has been, I guess, for some 50 years probably. She has been Miss Bulldog and has been the number one fan. And, uh, but in the South, football is a big thing, especially Friday night. We have football. And uh, that's just known throughout, uh, uh, throughout the South and to have football. But it, it became a lot of times that we would place football heroes in front of, of what they really, uh, in front of Jesus Christ oftentimes. We would place people that were superstars in football. If they were a good football coach, we held him as a good football coach. If he was a bad football coach, we got him out of town very quickly. We wanted the heroes. We wanted that one that was the power figure. But that's not what, is, what the church is founded on. The church is founded on the greatest power figure that the world has ever known in Jesus Christ. So I want to give you an example tonight of this powerful Jesus that we have in our society nowadays. Um, young man, if you could just slide over right there to Nana, that would help you out, all right? John chapter 12, verse number 31. Read with me. Jesus is speaking as he is preparing for his crucifixion. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of the world be cast out. And I... If I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Will you bow? Father, we thank you for this wonderful time we have tonight for communion, that we'll sit around the throne of grace tonight and serve the elements of 
your body and your blood and what you have done for us on Calvary. And Father, we thank you for the message that you have delivered tonight, and we ask you that you will break it tonight, Lord, and use it to go forth for the kingdom of God. In your precious name we pray, and everyone says, amen. We see in this text that Jesus was powerful even in death. Now, you may say, how can that be? He died. He lost. How can Jesus be powerful if he died? The Pharisees even said, if you're such a powerful Jesus, take yourself off of that cross. Bring yourself down if you're such a powerful Jesus. But oftentimes, even in meekness, there is power. Even in meekness, there is power. Even in humility, oftentimes, there is power. By Jesus declining to use his power, there is shown an even greater power that Jesus showed at Calvary. He could have come down. Jesus had the ability to come down. But he was not some fanatic. He was not some political operative out there. He was not some religious fanatic that was trying to make a statement. He was not a crazy man, but he was the Son of God. And Jesus says, I will go down to the cross. I have other alternatives, and I'll die on the cross. But I'll tell you something else. If I go, I'll draw all men unto me. Why? Because that's the love that Jesus has for you and I. He had the ability to come down. But because of his love for you and I, he decided to stay on the cross. In other words, Jesus gave what man could not take. Man could not take the life of Jesus. Jesus could have taken himself down, but Jesus gave what man could not take. Brother Anton, often we have songs about lifting the name of Jesus. Oftentimes we'll bring our service to, a, a, to an opening and we'll, we'll bring the congregation together and we'll say in, in one accord, let's lift the name of Jesus. But lifting in the book of John meant crucifixion. If somebody said to lift you up in the book of John, you better look around your back because you were going to be lifted up on a cross. Crucifixion was what uh, lifting up meant in the book of John. But Jesus says, put me on a cross. But if you do it, devil, I'll draw all men unto me. You're talking about power here. Jesus was, was not making a bluff here. You know, oftentimes spouses, they'll, they'll bluff with each other. You don't do this. I'm going to do this. We, we bluff with one another. We bluff in, 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 in the business field. If you don't do this, I'm going to do this oftentimes. World leaser, leaders have bluffed at one another. It used to be now that the terrorism has gotten so rampant that, that uh, they don't seem to bluff as they used to, but, but nations used to bluff with one another. But Jesus was not bluffing here. He wasn't just making a statement. You know, oftentimes you can make a bluff, but sometimes you have to have the power to back up the bluff. You remember when the, I thought about when the U.S. was invaded Iraq and and they were beginning their, their insurgents into to Baghdad, to the city. And there the, def, the Iraqi defense minister was on live, radio, uh, on live, live television saying, Oh no, the U.S., they're not invading Baghdad. They're not coming into the city of Baghdad. And then did you see in the background, the bombs were coming, the U.S. Uh, tanks were coming in. And as he was standing there, he was saying, That's not going to happen. You know, they don't have the power to come into the city of Baghdad. He was making a bluff. But the U.S. backed it up with the power as they overtook the nation 
the city of Baghdad. But Jesus says in this scripture, says, I will draw all men unto me. One scholar says he just left men out. He just says, I'll draw all unto me. So Jesus was not making a bluff, but he made a promise. He said, put me on a cross. But if you do it, I'm going to draw all men unto me. Jesus had the ability. He could have changed the contract. I'm sure that if he wanted to, he could have looked to his heavenly father and said, Lord says, you know, I don't know about this. I don't want to go through this. Let's, let's just change the contract right now. Let's just send your power and, and let's take me off of this cross right now. I, I don't want to go through with this. But for his love that he has for you and I, Jesus stayed on the cross. He could have, as a songwriter said, he could have called 10,000 angels. He had the ability to call the angels. He could have had the ability if he wanted it. He, he could have said, Mars, come in and take this ground out from under me. Just blast it away. That was the power that Jesus has. But he made a promise. He said, put me on a cross. But if you do it, I'm going to draw all men unto me. That's the love. The love, his love kept him on the cross. It was not the power of Roman soldiers. It was not the power of the nails. It wasn't the power of the government. It wasn't the power of situation. Nothing outside of divinity could keep him on that cross. Only his love for you and I. Only his love is what kept him on that cross. Now, my wife loves me. By the way, for you who have been praying very earnestly, I finally got my recliner. Praise the Lord. Everybody remember the recliner? My wife loved me so much this week, Miss Diane. I thought about you. She, after I preached that message, she sent a check down from, from the furniture store and said, buy Brad a recliner. Well, it took her a few weeks, but praise the Lord, I got my recliner, okay? That's love. My wife loves me, but I don't know if she loves me enough to say, I'll go to a cross and die in, the, in your place. But that's the love that Jesus has for you and I. He loved us so much. He had the power, but he says, I'll go and I'll die. Love can make you not use your power sometime. And Jesus had the power, but it's because of his love, he stayed on the cross. But he said, put me on a cross. I will not react with power, only the power to keep myself on the cross. And I'll die. I'll suffer. I'll never complain. You'll never hear a mumbling word out of my voice. I'll take all of the blame. I'll take all of the shame. You can spit on me. You can kick me. You can abuse me all that you want. You can take me in. Accuse me falsely. You can bring all of the crooked judges that you have. You can try me. You can break all of the rules. But I'll allow you to put me on a cross. But what did he say in Matthew chapter 20? But I will rise again. I will come back. Folks, that's power. Jesus knew where he was going to wind up. But he had so much power that he went through those, three, the, through those days of Gethsemane, through those abuse. And he died of, and he took the abuse and he went to the cross and he died. But three days, Jesus come back. That's why I preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is high and lifted up. He sitteth at the right hand of God the Father. Folks, that's love that Jesus has for you and I. The pastor talked about this morning what it meant to be slaves of Christ. This is what it meant. This is the mindset of Christ that he had for us. So I ask you tonight, who has the power? It's not those driving fancy cars. It's not those who are 
have jewelry on them, all the gold and all the glitz and all the glamour that you think they have. It's not those that have all the money or act like they have all the money. Those are not the ones that have the power. The true power lies in Jesus Christ. And he has so much power that he says, I'll die, but I will draw all men unto me. It'll be just like a magnet. And as he lifted up on that cross, the power of that magnet just drew you and I to Jesus Christ. We've been drawn there for 2,000 years. Not only this one time, but for all the eternity, men have been drawn to Jesus Christ. So what happens when we lift the name of Jesus? What happens when we come together in this place of holy sanctuary? What happens when we sing the praises of God as we do each and every Sunday? By the way, Anthon, my, my family and their friends were just thoroughly blessed by your service this morning of worship and praise. They were just enthusiastic of what, how this time of service brought us in and how the praises of God were lifted up, and I thank you for that. But what happens? Is it just a time of singing and then showing our talent, or is it a time when we look to the cross? When we look to Jesus and the love that he has for us, what is tonight communion service? Is it just another third Sunday night that we come and we break the elements and we go through the tradition once again? Or is it a time when we look to the cross and see the love that Jesus has for you and I? What happens when we look to the cross? What happens when we exalt the name of Jesus? I want to give you three illustrations here tonight very quickly. And uh, something I don't usually do, I don't usually flip through the Bible a lot, but I'm going to, if that's all right, do that tonight. What will happen when we lift the name of Jesus? Number one, it will change your life. When you look to Jesus, when you exalt the name of Jesus, it will change your life. For those of you who travel home on the afternoons in that rush hour and, uh, and you listen to ECB radio or you got your Bible sitting right there by you and you're heading in that lane and that traffic's backed up for miles and miles and that one that comes in that other lane and on the wrong side of the road and scoots way up to the front and, and cuts in, you don't say nothing, but boy, you honk on that horn, you let that horn do all the talking for you. But this is what the life-changing experience will do. It'll change your life. It'll let them just cut on in there and say, praise the Lord, they're in there. How many have done that? All right, you're not telling a story tonight. But that's what happens when we change, when we look to the Lord. I want you to look to me tonight, if you have your Bibles, and I trust you do, to the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter, the book of Jonah, let me see. You know in, in Jonah, that uh, chapter 2, Jonah was required to go down to the Ninevites, and he was required to go and preach the gospel to the Ninevites, but he rebelled against God. He didn't like the Ninevites. He didn't want anything to do with them. So what did he do? He turned himself and he went down to Tarshish and he rebelled against God and he got on a ship. And as he got on that ship, the water began to rock and the water began to roll and, and they came around. They were trying to find out why this water was so messed up now and, and why all of a sudden we were in these high seas and they came to Jonah and they found out that he had turned his back on to God. You remember, you remember the story? And then what happens in verse number 17 of chapter number 1. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Boy, I know that was a mess. Could you imagine being in the belly of a fish? How many of you ever watched Dirty Jobs? You watched, I love Dirty Jobs. And boy, you can see some terrible things in there. But could you imagine how bad it must have been in the belly of this fish seaweed it says wrapped around his neck 
all of the, the, the gastric juices of this, this well just eating at it for three days and for three nights. And then what does, he offers up a prayer in chapter, tap, chapter 2. And Jonah says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. He cried. And, I heard, and he heard me out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou hearest me. For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again towards thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds wrapped around my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought, me, brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came in unto thee and to thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake thine own mercies. What has Jonah been doing there for eight verses? Anybody got an idea? Any ideas? Mm, total opposite. He's been complaining. Lord, look what I've done. Look, look, look where I've been. Look what I've done for you. And here I am in the bottom of this fish's belly. Seaweed wrapped around me. He's complaining. He's moaning. He's groaning. It was his own fault, but he's moaning and groaning and complaining. And what happens? He stays right in the belly of that whale. No results, no action. All he does is just offer up a prayer that's just going nowhere because all he's doing is complaining. How many of you ever been there? I've been there. Brother Tommy, you've been there. That's two of us that agree. We've been there. Lord, why you put me here? Why, why you make me go through these things? Why do I have to go through these trials and tribulations? Well, why, why, look what I've done for you, Lord. And our lives go absolutely nowhere. We have no results. But look what he did in one verse, verse number 9. But, but I will what? Sacrifice. I'll give up unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. All of a sudden, his eyes wake up, and he realizes complaining is getting absolutely nowhere. And as he's complaining, that whale is just, he's just sailing through the sea. That whale is just going in and out, and he's just up and down, and Jonah's just riding the waves with the whale. But what happens when he offers up praises? That old whale's, Oh, he's like he's had refried beans. Anybody ever had refried beans? Anybody ever had Mexican food? Refried beans, they're not powerful enough the first time, so they refry them to get them powerful. Refried beans and that, oh, well, all of a sudden Jonah begins to praise the Lord. Jonah begins to say, I don't know, Brother Anthony, he might have begun to sing, I bring the sacrifice of praise unto the Lord, house of the Lord. We bring the sacrifice of praise. In the old belly of that whale, all of a sudden you think he had a mess then when he was before 
He got there. Before, for those three days and three nights, you think he had a mess. What do you think happened when he began to praise the Lord? And that belly of that whale began to stir up. And all, all, all of a sudden, that's just not a smooth ride through the water. But it said that the, the belly of the whale began to stir up. And what does it say in verse number 10? And the Lord spake unto the fish, and what happened? He vomited out Jonah upon dry land. Why? Why did, he have, why did this, all this happen? Because Jonah... Looked to Jesus, and he lifted up the name of Jesus. He didn't look on the left and see what was going on. He didn't look on this side and see what Brother Winley was wearing tonight, that he doesn't have his tie on tonight. He didn't look in and out, but he looked to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And when he looked to Jesus, his life was changed, and the belly of that well he spewed out, and Jonah was on dry land. And I imagine he tied it to Nineveh to the Ninevites right then. So what are you saying tonight? When your life gets derailed, Brother Eric, this was a good one for you. When the life gets derailed, when you, when you get off course many times and you think there's no one that cares and you begin to offer up prayers and, and you think nobody's listening to you, talk to Jesus and praise the name of Jesus and allow Jesus to change your life and set you back on a firm foundation. Can you say amen? Yes, we, we're not against saying amen. Think about Paul and Silas. Here they were in that Philippian jail. Here all they had been doing is preaching the gospel. Here Paul and Silas were placed in jail. And, and, and there they were in jail. And, they, and, and the Bible says they began to sing. But they weren't saying, Amazing grace. What did the Bible say? They began to sing loudly. Majesty, worship your majesty. They began to sing with a loud voice. They said the jailers, a Greek word, a phrase says that the jailers began to listen intensely at what these two men were doing. There these men were in jail. They were in chains. They were in bondage. But they did not complain. They looked to Jesus. And when they looked to Jesus, the chains fell off and their lives were changed forevermore. And Jesus says, Satan, put me on a cross. But if you put me on that cross, I'm going to change lives for all eternity. And most of you here tonight, I know, lives have been changed because of what Jesus did at Calvary. The next thing that we can see when we look to Jesus is that miracles happen in our lives. John, in book of John, chapter 3, you remember Jesus told Nicodemus, Says, just as Moses was lifted up, in the, as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be exalted. So must the Son of Man be lifted up. You remember the story that portrays around that story? You know, the people of Israel, they were being protected by Jesus. The serpents were around them. All of the snakes, the vipers or whatever, the serpents were around them. And they were biting the people, but Jesus was protecting them. He had that shield of protection upon them. And then what did they begin to do? Complain against God. They complained against Moses. And so God lifted that veil of protection upon them. And all of a sudden, the, the vipers began to bite them. The serpent bite them. The serpents began to bite them. They began to attack them, and people were dying because they complained, and God lifted the veil off of them. And then God speaks to Moses. Turn back with me to Numbers. Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21. Verse number 4. And they journeyed from Mount Or by the way of the Red Sea. They passed the land of Idiom, and the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake 
against God and against Moses. They complain. They moan. They groan. Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water. And our soul loath, loath at this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, serpent, and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he, what? Looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put upon a pole. And it came to pass, if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. I'm sure there was people there that had been bitten and they might have said, you know what, I, I can't get down there. I, I'm too sick. I, I, I can't make it down there to look at that uh, serpent. I, I'm just too sick to get down there. Physical sickness. But we also have people that are spiritually sick. They think they're too sick to go to church. They think they're too sick to get into the sanctuary. They think they're too sick to, to come and worship and to look to Jesus. Uh, I know people that said, I, I smoke. I can't go to church because I smoke. I don't suggest you smoke, but we're not going to keep you out of church because you smoke. But Jesus, they say, I'm too sick to go to church. And then I'm sure there was others there that says, you know what, I, I can take care of this problem myself. I, I, I can heal myself. I, I, I don't need others, but I can handle this problem myself on a physical aspect. But how many of those do we have spiritually that says, I come from a good family. I, I, I got everything under control. I can, I can handle all of this. I don't need any help, and I come from a wonderful preach, uh, from a from a wonderful family. I don't need that. Pre- preach to somebody else. Preach to them, brother Joe. I've had them say, "Tell them, brother." Oh, brother Brad, preach it to them, and, and you know, kick them, kick them where it hurts. Get the Bible out. Let let them let them have it. Preach it to them, brother. And I've always wondered who in the world you think I'm preaching to. I'm preaching to you, brother Joe. I'm preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself. As a matter of fact, if this thing doesn't cut me and and abuse me before I get up from you, I will not preach it. I'm the one that has to come and say, is this worthy to be preached? The Bible said it's a two-edged sword. It'll cut even the preacher tonight. Preach it, brother. I I can handle it myself. No, this message is for all of us tonight. We all need the gospel of Jesus Christ. But guess what? Some died. Some died because they were too sick. Some died because... They could handle that. But for those who had faith, those that had faith in Jesus, those that had faith in their Heavenly Father, all they had to do was look. And the the, the effects of the venom was reversed and they were healed. All they had to do was look. I serve a risen Savior and I serve Him tonight because if I just look at Jesus tonight, if I just look at the King of kings and the Lord of lords, if I just look at the, to the cross tonight, I know some of you say, brother, it, 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 a look, that's not good enough. You've got to have more than a look. Well, that, you might be right in some instances, but you know what? That's a mighty fine place to start. 
It's a mighty good place to start by looking to Jesus and looking to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. What happens when we look to Jesus? I can't take my eyes off of him. When we fix our eyes upon the cross, we can't take our eyes off of Jesus. We can't take our eyes off of what Jesus did for us at Calvary. We can't take our eyes off of him and what he did for us throughout these, all the years of our lives. When we look to Jesus, we see ourselves. Oh, Brother Frankie, I'm an I'm a all right man. I'm pretty good. But when we look to Jesus, we find out we're not so great. So we have that mirror when we look to Jesus. Everything's all right. But Jesus says, no, here's your problem. Here's the problem. Well, what happens? Miracles take place in our lives. Lives are changed. Bodies are here. Spiritual uh, weaknesses are, are healed by the power of Jesus when we look to Jesus and the miracles that Jesus has in our lives. Finally, we see that when we look to Jesus, we see his power displayed. It says, tell Satan, if you lift me up. Now, the verse number 31 says, now, now is the time of judgment. You're speaking to Satan there. Now is the time of judgment. Now you will see my power displayed. Now I will go forth and show the power that had. You remember when Satan was on earth? He was known as who? Lucifer. Lucifer. And Lucifer had this idea. I'm here on earth. I think I'll just lift myself up. I think I'll just lift up my own self and, and see what happens when I lift up my own self. But he should have known better. But he thought that now that, that Jesus is not just in heaven, but now that he's down here on earth, now that he's down to my size, now that I can tackle him one-on-one, now that he's just a little baby in a manger, I think now, may, just maybe, I can take him out. I think maybe just I can, I can wear him down and just I can overcome Jesus. And I think I'll have the power forever and forever. And then what happens in Matthew chapter 4? Jesus, the de- uh, Satan meets Jesus in the wilderness. Matthew chapter 4, verse number 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God... Command that these stones be made bread. Watch this power that Jesus had. But he said, answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and set him up on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, if you're so bad... If you think you got the power, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. In their hands thou shalt bear thee up, lest any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. What does Jesus say? It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And then Satan is all or nothing. It's time to hit the home run or strike out. And again the devil taketh him up. And to an exceeding high mountain, and showeth them all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them. You see it? Jesus, you see, you see all of it? It's all of the kingdoms. You can have it all. And he saith unto them, All these things will I give thee. You can have it all. If thou wilt fall down 
and just worship me. All you got to do is fall down and worship me, and you can have it all. And I know now that tension is just beginning to build. And I know it's just like a tight rubber band. The tension between, between Jesus and, and Satan is just beginning to build. Then Jesus says unto him, Get thee hence, Satan. I mean, you know, we want to preach that. Get thee hence, Satan. We want to just pound it in there. We want to just say, Boy, if I with Jesus, I would just knock him down. You know, Hunter, he'll say, we'll be wrestling. He'll say, you want a piece of me, old man? And, and we'll begin to tussle. And I imagine, you know, this is the way we want to say it. You devil, you want a piece of me, Jesus? But I don't think Jesus was like that. But he says, get thee hence, Satan, for what? It is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him. And behold, angels came and ministered unto him. You want to talk about power? That's power. That's the power that Jesus got for, for us at Calvary. That's the power that we possess. That's the power that, that we can say when Satan comes our way, when Satan comes with forces, we have the power because of what Jesus did for us at Calvary. We can tell Satan, no, 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 because the power that we have. We don't have the power ourselves. We failed many times when we tried to do it ourselves. We don't have the power ourselves. Those things that I could not do before, I can do now. Those things that I could not stop before, I can stop now. Not on my own power, but because of the power that Jesus displayed at Calvary. I could not do them myself, but because of his death on Calvary, we now have the power in the hands of Jesus Christ. But Satan was ill-advised. He did not listen. And he put my Jesus on a cross. Not our own power. We have all of these nowadays self-help books. We can get positive thinking. We can get motivated. We can do all of these things to get power, to get more and more power. We can pay thousands of dollars and we think we can get power. But we don't have the power alone to change our lives. But at the cross, at the cross, at the cross, the pillars of sin were crushed. And Satan was defeated because of what Jesus did at Calvary. There's not power in Capitol Hill, or I should say not at Parliament. You know, those guys, they just fuss to fuss. One says it's black, the other says it's white. They don't have the power. We think oftentimes they have the power. We see now in the world aspect today, we think oil has the power. Whoever has the most oil has all of the power. Chavez down there thinks he's got all the oil now, so he thinks he's going to have all of the power. Power does not rely in oil. Power does not rely in government. Power does not rely in money. Power does not rely in a judicial system. Power does not rely in all of the things that we see the society has placed power. The power in this world has absolutely evaporated. But the Word of God says there's one who has never lost the power, and that's Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So I ask you tonight, as those who are serving the elements, if they would like to prepare to come tonight, come on up and, and prepare to serve the elements, pastors and and men come tonight. And as they come, I want to ask you, 
Is tonight just a, another tradition for us tonight? Is tonight just a time that we just hand out elements, we go through the ritual, we give you a little bread, a little juice, we pray a prayer. Is it a time tonight that we just mentally throw flowers at the grave of Jesus? Is it a time tonight that we just say, let's sing a song? Or tonight are you going to look to Jesus? Because if you look to Jesus, he'll draw you unto him. If you look to Jesus, your lives will be changed forevermore. If you look to Jesus, that sick body could be healed. Those finances could be healed. Those spiritual sicknesses can be healed if you look to Jesus tonight. If you look to Jesus tonight, he'll express his, release his power in your life. And you can go throughout the week and the devil can tempt you all you like. But you can tell him no, no, because Jesus is on my side. Are we looking to Jesus? Are we looking to the side to side. I encourage you tonight, for the next few moments, just close your eyes. Don't worry about what's going on around you. Don't worry about what this one is doing, what that one is doing. This is one of the most relaxing times. We were walking through, me and Mr. Sands were walking by the hotel this week and the waterfalls were going. His comment was, boy, that's very soothing to hear the waterfalls, and I agree with him. But there's nothing more soothing than tonight just to be still and know that I am God. To be still and to look to Jesus and allow him to minister to your life tonight.